The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, it's that time again. Welcome back to another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network throughout Orlando, on into Ocala and the Villages, up to Gainesville, wherever you are. We're glad that you're with us today. I've got a pastor who is based out of the New York area right now. At least I think that's where you might be sitting. But uh, Mike Signorelli is a pastor and not only a pastor, but the subject of a movie that recently came out. It's called The Domino Revival. And he is on the line with me today. What an honor to talk to you, Mike. Welcome to the program. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. And yeah, by the way, I'm in New York City right now. Oh, okay. So uh, are you in Manhattan or Brooklyn or which borough? Well, I'm in the best borough. It's Queens. (laughs) There you go. Okay. That's one that I've not spent as much time in. But uh, yeah, it is it's it's such the, the New York area, in spite of its blueness, in spite of all the stuff that's gone on in the last couple of years. I tell you what, when you're in New York City, wherever you are in that city, it is uh, it's just kind of like a magical experience. I really enjoyed it when I would visit there. So I, I'm uh, glad you're there. I'm glad you're taking the gospel to the area. Brother, the area needs it, doesn't it? It does. And you know, here's the good news. There's a remnant here that believes the Bible and and that absolutely loves God and is unapologetic about it. And I've been so encouraged because, you know, I'm sure everybody listening right now only sees the, the news and the tabloids about New York City. But I can tell you, there's a whole countercultural movement rising up right now of true believers. And I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but I had the opportunity to fill Times Square, and we had thousands and thousands of people show up to Times Square for a domino revival event just last week. And, oh, my and goodness. So no, I've not yeah, seen we're that. Seeing a lot. It's amazing. Is there, uh, are there videos of that on YouTube? Yeah, if you visit my YouTube channel by typing in Mike Signorelli, you can watch it. It's almost got half a million views already, but you can see, I mean, it looks like an actual ball drop New Year's Eve event. I mean, that's how many people came out. And a lot of them were actually from V1 Church, which is the church that I founded. And, and But there were also many other churches that came together and many other believers. So it, it was incredible. You know, Mike, when I hear you say that, I think of, I, I, you're right. I think a lot of people, they have in their mind only what they hear, maybe what they see on the news at night if they watch cable TV news. And that's never going to be a good news or be uh, maybe fully uh, reported news about what God is doing in the in the world today. But when you know uh, what is happening, even in areas like China, there is a revival in China and also yeah. in other Arab countries. Uh, there, there is a, uh, a a real move of God with the gospel and Christians in these areas that a lot of people are think are just sold out and gone on the other side altogether. And that's not true. There is a remnant everywhere. The Lord said he would always have a remnant. And that is really encouraging to hear what you're saying about New York. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. The bad news that people are seeing about New York City, not only is it true, but it's even worse than that. But because of that, it's actually producing, again, a response from the people who are saying politics don't work anymore. You know, that educational system is broken and indoctrinating our children, and we need something else. And what's happening, just like it happened in the late 60s and 70s amongst the hippies, is now there's a a second Jesus movement. And here in New York City, people are saying, you know what, we we need Jesus. It, It is Jesus. And I'm telling you, my church is filled with people who are former Hindus, former Muslims, former atheists, agnostics, and they're all turning to Christ right now. And for me, it's so encouraging because, quite frankly, it's starting to look like the early church. And so what what I've learned is that where sin abounds, grace is greater. And what I (laughs) learned is that, you know, when all the odds are against you and and there's uh, a form of persecution, which here, you know, it's obviously not like China, but when there's a form of persecution and suppression, it actually causes the kingdom to rise in greater measure. And so I know a lot of my friends are like, oh, I don't pity you. You know, I would never move to New York City. And I tell them, I said, yeah, but you don't get to see the things that I'm seeing. You know, God is, it's like the prophets, uh, it's like the prophets of Baal versus Elijah. Like you don't get fire falling from heaven until you need it. And so here in, here in Times Square, you know, you guys can see the video on my channel on YouTube, but you know, literally fire is falling uh, prophetically here in New York City because we need it. Boy, do we all need it. I, I tell you, just hearing you say this brings such encouragement to my heart because we've been praying and talking on this program since its inception four years ago uh, about mm. that very thing, Mike, about revival and about longing. Now, I'm old enough. Uh, I turned 70 earlier this year, and I was part of oh, that Jesus revolution. And I got to be around, and we were witnessing to people back in the day when they were getting saved and coming into our church. We had a Sunday night church service that one night alone, there were about 40 of the people that we had witnessed to that day. And these would be truly hippies, young people that were lost in every sense of the word, knew nothing about Jesus, except one individual that we talked to who told us he lived with Jesus. But it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus Christ. It was a person who claimed to be Jesus that was much more into something like black magic than anything uh, wow. but, but that young man came to hear about the real Jesus, heard yeah. the gospel, got baptized that very night. And it was really, truly amazing. He went uh, from what he did that night and, and became a disciple. We, we were able to disciple this guy. Uh, he went on to move to Lindale, Texas, became part of a nationally known uh, music ministry. He was a great guitar player and a songwriter. And, you know, I got to see that happen. And he came up out of that water that night, a changed person. And that's exactly wow. what we're praying for in this country. And hearing you say that it is indeed happening, even in New York City, my man, that's pretty exciting. Oh, Yeah. It is exciting, and it's it's truly happening. You know, I know everybody everybody is an expert on revival, but I, you know, and some people would say, well, "Well, what you're seeing is not revival." I will tell you, I, I truly believe that what we're seeing is revival. Part of the reason why I made the movie, The Domino Revival, is to show footage from all over the U.S. 
of many of my peers and friends doing ministry and let let people draw their own conclusion after they see the evidence. Well, that's really great to say, and that kind of leads me to how uh, I'd, I'd like to ask how it was that you came into knowing the Lord yourself. Let, let's begin there. We know that uh, at some point, you don't sound like you're from New York, so where where are you originally from? Yeah, it's funny. When I first moved to New York, <clears throat> excuse me, to when I first moved to New York to start the church, everybody said, we love your accent. It sounds like you're you're from the sitcoms we grew up with. And I laughed and I said, my accent, you guys have the accent. <laughs> and so, right. uh, yeah, I'm originally from uh, South Chicago area. That, And so uh, my mom was a single mother on welfare with five kids. She was a domestic violence uh, victim. And so, you know, very difficult childhood. We really struggled. Um, but, but actually my mom um, replied to an, a classified ad in the newspaper for a local pastor who was looking for a worship leader. And she called him and said, you know, I, I know how to play the piano and I know how to sing. And I used to be a Christian when I was a teenager, but I've walked away. And, um, you know, but I could be your worship leader. And the only problem is I just don't really serve Jesus right now. My life is in shambles. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm so thankful for that pastor because he actually said, honey, I'm going to grab my wife and we're going to come over to your house and we're going to lead you back to Christ and you will be our worship leader. And wow. so that's that's like literally the story. So he, this man came over to our house and led my mom back to Christ. And I, I'll never forget seeing her just weep in the, the living room and she was experiencing the presence of God. And, and then after that was over that night, I just said, Mom, I've never seen you this happy. I know what is this? And she's like, I accepted Jesus. And so she led me to Christ that night. Um, wow. So that's, you know, that's the quick version of, of, you know, how God threaded the gospel into our life. And um, it wasn't until I was 15 years old that I really became serious about the things of God. And, um, and God really chased me down. Part, partly the Domino Revival movie uh, shows that part of my story and kind of how God divinely called me. That's so exciting to realize how that that pastor had such faith that he would even be on, uh, be able to see beyond where your mom was at that point and believing that God had something more and the gifting that he already recognized on her life, uh, e even in spite of the fact that she wasn't where she needed to be at that moment. That's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. And I'm thankful for shepherds that smell like sheep, you know. He wasn't he he wasn't trying to be a celebrity pastor. He just wanted to lead the lost to Christ. And, and he recently passed away and we were able to reconnect with him. But just the idea that he would, you know, grab his wife and, and actually come over to the home of a woman he, he had never met before. Uh, you know, those are those divine appointments. And I and I that's why I tell people revival carries a cost. You know, it's it's gonna cost you and you've got to be willing to inconvenience yourself. We can't pray for revival, but not be willing to do it, you know? And, and so I, and in many ways, he was one of the first dominoes to drop, you know, and, and that his yes became our yes, became another yes, and God's still moving. Well, in just a little bit, I'm going to have you explain the whole expression and even the title of the movie about dominoes, because I know that plays a big role in uh, this kind of prophetic vision that God has given you and what is going to happen. And as you've already said, what is already happening there in the area where you are in New York City. But uh, at, at age 15, now you started getting serious. What was your call into ministry like? 
Yeah, and then there's going to be some listeners that hear what I say, and it's going to be hard for them to believe. But <laughs> I, there's a national movie about it now. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, and and uh, you know, but and and I've I've told this story on Sid Roth and other like major syndicated television shows as well. But it's a really dramatic story. I so for me, I was super introverted and very shy. I had encountered a lot of abuse in my life before, and um, I. You know, I um, fell in love with scripture. And so as I fell in love in, with scripture, I was kind of privately reading it, you know, from back, back and forth, you know, Genesis to Revelation. And a, as I was reading it, I, I, I didn't really, it, it wasn't real to me, you know, it was just, I, I, I didn't connect with it on like a spiritual level, it was more just a mental and emotional level. But then when I got to the part in the book of Acts where Peter stands up and, you know, he delivers his first message after Pentecost, I remember thinking like, God, you know, why would you use someone like Peter? He was such an, a fool. He messed up so many times. And then that's when the gospel actually really on a deeper level made sense to me because it was like, wait a second, this is what God does. He uses the least likely, you know, th this is. This is the whole point. And so I actually closed my Bible and I said, God, if you can use anyone, you know, use me like you use Peter. And I basically had a personal Pentecost in my bedroom alone. So I started speaking in tongues. It was a very powerful experience, and uh, which has made it very difficult for me to ever become a cessationist because I didn't experience the gift of tongues in a church. Nobody coaxed me into it or manipulated me into mm -hmm. it. I mean, I, I literally just yielded myself to God. And, and I wasn't even asking for um, the gift of tongues. I, I actually said, empower me like you did Peter and um, give me the ability to preach the, the gospel like he did. And then I received it. And so that all happened privately. And then it was about two months later that I was walking down the street and uh, this woman encountered me and she said i mean she looked like she saw a ghost and she pointed her finger at me and she said i, I know you don't know me but i had a dream about you I, I just realized that i saw you in my dream you preached at my church and revival broke out wow. and um so that that literally how i got called into to preaching I, I initially resisted it because i was super shy and introverted i was like lady you're crazy you know i don't know what you're talking about but i knew that whatever happened privately in my room was calling for me now, you know, it was like the Lord was, was taking me on that next step. And so that woman actually persisted. And eventually I accepted that assignment to go preach at her church. And uh, this all happened when I was 15 turning 16 years old. Oh, come on. And, you know, sure to that woman's dream revival did break out. Young people accepted Christ. And then it all culminated to, she had a daughter that was born with a decrepit hand. And I prayed for her daughter at the conclusion of that service, and her daughter's hand stretched forth, and the whole place went up in pandemonium. But it wasn't like shouting out of excitement. It was like fear. And that was when, you know, for me, it was like God made himself known on a whole nother level. And, you know, people talk about, oh, we, you know, with the gift of healing, we love to see God heal. But when you see something that dramatic, and I've seen it a couple of other times since then, it's not, um, man, God's awesome. It's like, it's, it's literal, literal fear of God, you know, yeah, and yeah. where you're like, whoa, 
and the whole room shifted. So that's sort of how I started in ministry. <laughs> it was a very dramatic beginning. I'll tell you what. You know, I think about your story, and I think of uh, my friend Caleb Wampler. I don't know if you've ever met Caleb, but he is a guy who goes out and does these revivals. He was uh, kind of discipled by Reinhard Bonnke and, uh, you know, Daniel Kalinda in this area. And he's seeing what you're describing happen regularly in uh, areas in the Middle East where there he would be, you know, it's, it's mostly Muslim based. And yet he's seeing these kind of events. And a lot of people, you are exactly right. A lot of people, when they hear your story, they're going to be scratching their head thinking like, well, wait a minute. I, I, I thought those gifts were over and I thought that. Uh, these things had ceased, and there's a lot of people who may not be even comfortable talking about it. But, you know, I always go back right now when we have a discussion like this in my own heart. I'll, I go back to 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul admonishes us all, kind of encourages us all, that we must not forbid these things, these gifts, outpourings of the gifts of the Spirit. We should not prohibit their use in, in our work. And so I, th I think we've got to really be informed by scripture and let that be kind of the guide. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I know you and would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, here's the thing it's, it's, um, you know, where there is a demand, there is a supply. And so in the middle East, they're putting a demand on God and they're saying, we need we need this. You know, I've got footage of um, me being in hospitals in Western Ukraine, where this is before the war. They didn't have proper supplies, and basically, these quote unquote hospital hospitals were just simply a place for them to go before they die, like a really bad hospice care. Mm. And we would go in there, and you know, obviously, to the listeners, it's very difficult to get approval in the United States. Because a lot of people who are against the, he the healing ministry would say, well, why don't you go to hospitals in the United States and you pray for people? I would. If I could actually get that level of permission, it's very difficult in the U.S. to just pray for strangers yeah, in hospitals. Yeah, yeah. But in Western Ukraine, where they don't have uh, – where they have – it was just a, a lot of desperation, and they were willing to, like, release some of their protocols because these people – we're on uh, essentially saline solutions and drip IVs just waiting to die. Mm. And I mean, I've got footage of miracles happening on every floor of the, I mean, dramatic m miracles happening. And I always tell my team, I said, where there's a demand, there's a supply. These people have no other options left. And so the ones that are, you know, are operating in faith are just activating the supernatural um, and they're really making a withdrawal from the virtue of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, yeah, I believe I can be healed. Pray for me. Wow. And we just see that happen. And so um, I do believe you're going to see that happen more and more in the United States. And part of the movie was me showing, you know, of course, not everybody we pray for gets healed. We don't have a magic wand. You know, I'm not a, a warlock. I'm a man of God. Right. And so I don't understand you know, God's sovereignty. Hey, let's but... pick that up, Mike. I'm up against a break right now. Let's pick that point up because I don't want to just brush by that. This is Mike okay. Signorelli, my guest today on Afternoons with Mike. I'll be right back. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. 
No wonder EC Water's air conditioning and heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. My guest today is Pastor Mike Signorelli from New York City, and we were talking about something I want to jump right back into because it is so important. And you were talking about how the fact that you're not like a magic worker that just has waves of magic wand and everyone you pray for is healed. Everyone is touched by God in the most marvelous way. That That is not what we're talking about here, right? Right. And, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, I made, I went to great lengths to explain that in the film. A hundred percent of the people that we don't pray for won't get he- a, a supernatural healing through Christ. But amongst the people that we do actually pray for, you will see miracles. And so it's very common in my ministry to get medical medical verification. People email me the documents, they bring them to our church locations. And again, I, you know, I just want to preface it with, not everybody does get healed. And and again, that's part of the sovereign nature of God. And we don't understand all that. I, I do believe the ultimate healing is salvation. I oftentimes reference um, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, but then actually died again. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. You know, he did. If, <laughs> that's that's a great we point. Yeah, he was a raised for all eternity, uh, you know, and yet we do have a, a couple of characters in Scripture who did not taste death, as we know. And that is that's quite a story in and of itself. But the most of us are going to be like Lazarus and whether we're touched or not. But I got to tell you a quick story, Mike, about my own wife. She experienced uh, about six years ago, I think it was something like that. We were up in Gainesville uh, living there and I was in the ministry there and Cindy all of a sudden had uh, a loss of hearing in one of her ears and it was perplexing we thought it was temporary we uh we assumed it was from a congestion or something like that but it it persisted and she just couldn't hear and we went to the doctor and they did a baseline uh, test on her a hearing a fully exhaustive hearing test and the outcome was that she had experienced neuro loss uh, her nerve wow. it died it was gone and there was nothing there because there was nothing there. And so wow. we were we were obviously affected by that. And a group came up to our church from Orlando and they had a, a praying time, a ministry time for healing. And Cindy was prayed for. And a, I don't remember just exactly how long afterwards, but all of a sudden she realized, wait a minute, I can hear again. And we wow. went back to the same doctor in Gainesville, who happened to be a Mormon doctor. And, and he, so he was not a, you know, he was not a, an evangelical Christian. Uh, and he examined her again, put her through the same tests and pulled us into the office. And he said, all right, I, I really have no explanation for this, but mm. your hearing in the ear that was dead is now better than it was 
before. It's better than your other ear. Wow. And so she was completely touched by God, and her hearing was restored. That is amazing. Better, Better than before. Better than, yeah, well, it, at least it's good. It, I, I started to say better than the other ear is what I wanted to emphasize. Her yes, hearing was yes. better than the ear that had not been affected. It's amazing. It is amazing. Absolutely incredible. And we've heard those stories over and over again because God is faithful. And I believe the Bible is, isn't the story of what happened. It's, it's the story of what always happened. You know, he healed then, he heals today. That's right. You know, we have that word. He is the same, Hebrews 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And why we've uh, accepted this notion that we don't have any hope for healing, it, it always, uh, it, it surprises me. Well, let's get to the yeah, movie. Yeah. Let's, man, this is awesome. Uh, I'm going to have to have you back on at some point, man. This is way too oh, much absolutely. fun. absolutely. You're my new friend. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so this is great, Mike. Now, the movie is titled... The Domino Revival. Tell us what in the world is behind that title, The Domino Revival. Yeah, well, you know, I was in a place of prayer, and I just, well, we here in, in New York City, specifically in Brooklyn, we have a park called the Domino Park, and it's where the old Domino Sugar Refinery was. Oh, yeah. That was right yeah. off the waterfront, and it's a place where my family and I have gone many times over the years just to hang out, and so I was thinking about well, what if we do an event in Domino Park? That's kind of how it started. And then I was in prayer and got a vision of dominoes actually dropping. And, you know, there's a a term called a domino effect where one domino hits another domino, hits another domino. And everybody's seen the viral videos where people lay them out in their entire house. And the Lord showed me planet Earth and how he was going to drop these dominoes. And each domino was a person that was saying yes to Jesus and whole families were being changed, and whole communities. And so I got this vision for the Domino Revival. It was so palpable that I was like, you know what? I have to do—it's more than just an event at this park in New York City. I, I have to go all around the country and and do this. And so I, I literally funded, self-funded a tour and began to reach out to pastors all across America and say— you know, would you be willing to partner with me? And how many churches can we get together in each region? And and that was kind of how it started. And then also, um, I was praying about opening up old wells of revival. So I reached out to historic locations like uh, Brownsville and, you know, did, I, Amy Simple McPherson's Angelus Temple in L.A. And yes. God miraculously opened up doors for me to be able to hold events in those environments and open up these old wells of revival. And so um, I filmed the entire thing. I did not have an aspiration to be a filmmaker. We, we literally just thought, you know what, let's, God's going to do some incredible things. Let's make sure we capture it at the highest quality. What we didn't know is we were unintentionally creating the Domino Revival movie <laughs> because that's a whole nother story. But, um, but yeah, that's really what the Domino Revival is. Now, I, I, I got to tell you, I saw the trailer for this, the actual footage from which uh, this movie is all put together, and again, it uh, it uh, opened up, and then it had a second. A lot of movies that are Christian-based movies, they'll do this. They'll open up maybe for a single night or maybe for a couple of nights, and then they quickly go to distribution uh, through DVD or through streaming, 
and and your film it opened up and was only supposed to open up for that one night, but then there was an encore because of the response, right? Oh yeah, I mean we're you know we don't have Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and major Hollywood budget. We're literally a local church. I, I'm the founding lead pastor of V1 Church, and that and really was like kind of the anchor for how we were able to get this stuff done. And so it really felt like a David and Goliath type moment where, you know, it's us versus Hollywood. And so we did anything and everything we could. I had a team of friends um, and co-laborers and other revivalists from across the country that really um, lent their their entire life's work to getting behind this film and utilizing their social media platforms. And we really just organically tried to get the word out the best we could. Well, anyways, the first night happened. And Fathom Events gave me an opportunity to do essentially what was like the largest syndicated uh, simulcast revival event in the history of America. I mean, we had over a thousand theaters and then within those theaters, um, many of them multiple auditoriums. And I was able to get up and simulcast a revival service where not only did we lead people to Christ, but also um, help them cancel suicides and get delivered from addictions. And, and it all happened in theater. So that footage from the night that night across America started going viral and people were like, what is this? And so, yeah, there was really a demand for more. And I'm so excited to tell you that as of last night, which, you know, we had the re-airing, it was roughly four times the amount of testimonies that we got the time before. And I think it's because people understood the experience of what it was. And they were like, I want to, I've got to get my friends to this. So we're, we're excited. There are so many people praying again for this very thing, Mike, and to realize that God is doing this right in the middle of an area that so many people have just written off, the New York City area, written it off to just not not reachable and not not redeemable. I mean, there's a lot of words I've heard uh, talk about that area because of just some of the troubles, but you're like a ray of, uh, of sunshine and a, a breath of fresh air coming through to hear that God is doing this midst, in, right in the midst of, of New York City. And not only there, but around, like you said, around the world. Now, when we talk about this this footage and this impact you had the second night it was it was just even greater what's going to happen now what where's the domino revival movie at right now yeah i know that i i woke up to like an avalanche of messages from people around the country saying like when can we get this movie here's the good news it is eventually going to be available for digital distribution meaning amazon prime and apple and 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 youtube to be able to rent it you know, or purchase it. So it is going to be available. Then we don't have a date set because we do have other countries that are asking about theatrical releases and we're talking to them when it does come out um, digitally and people are able to watch it at homes. I really, um, I'm emphasizing to everybody, let's make a watch party out of it and let's actually create an experience where we invite our friends and family over to our house to watch it together. Yeah, And we're working on mobilizing that as well. Boy, that sounds exciting, and maybe God will be touching people in those watch parties as well. That would be just I wonderful. It. Yeah. So this thing came out on October 24th, and then just the other night, November 13th, so that was last night, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. So last night was the 
uh, kind of this second release. And uh, people can go and see, again, uh, the the trailer. It's on. Give us your website, Mike, if you will, where people can see the trailer for this. Yeah, if they go to MikeSignorelli.com, and so it's S-I-G-N-O-R-E-L-L-I, uh, we still have everything linked to the movie up there as well. All right, that's how people can see it. And the trailer, like I said, it's pretty amazing. And you you were able to do exactly what you said. You caught it in high quality because it looks great. I don't know how you did that, but it just looks awesome. But you are encountering people all over the place, wherever you go, that are hungry, that are giving up vices, that are being delivered from very serious addictions. And like you said, your suicides are being prevented. Thank God for that. Thank God for what you're doing, Mike. I really appreciate it. What do you see happening in America in 2024? This cycle is going to be maybe one of the most uh, watched and talked about election cycles starting from now to next year when when uh, a month, I mean a year from now, this very month in 2024. What are you thinking is, uh, what's it going to look like? Yeah, over the last several years, I've prophetically narrated many of events. Uh, one of the reasons why people view me as credible, as a credible prophetic voice, is because I've narrated things as the Lord has shown things to me, and then they've come to pass like clockwork. And so I've already been trying to get up ahead and say, "Okay, God, you know what are you what is what are you doing in the midst of it?" Because that's always my question. Like, for example, when you see famine in Egypt you're always going to see a Joseph that's put on display because God always has a plan. He's always doing something in the midst of it, you know? And so what I believe 2024, I, I've been drawn back to that parable about there being 10 virgins. They, five were wise and five were unwise. And the Lord keeps showing me how the middle ground is disappearing. And so this is a warning to a lot of Christians that are lukewarm. It's a warning to a lot of Christians that have like sit on the fence I believe there's a lot of believers that have gotten away with not having an opinion or not not taking uh, you know taking a side so to speak. But the five wise and the five unwise virgins, there were ten, and so there was no middle ground. Mm -hmm. And so I really believe it's a time for us to take a stand like never before. And I also believe that um, you're just going to see there. It's a lot of denominationalism is eroding right now. And what's being replaced is it's being replaced by hunger. And so there's going to be people that a lot of leaders that are going to be challenged to push aside their preferences or this is how we've always done it. Um, and because in the midst of our programming, God is willing something. And um, right now the harvest is vast. The laborers are few. And so I really see a lot of people being challenged. But then the good news is it's going to be a... Um, it's really going to be a confirmation to those who have been like praying for it and fasting for it. So it's, it's like a clashing of swords. It's the best of times and the worst of times. I believe that in many ways things are going to get worse, but God is always like in the midst of that doing something greater. So, um, and so there's going to be some pastors that step out of the ministry and they, you know, or they just resign to being hirelings and go through the motions. But there's going to be other pastors who say, "I've wait, wait a second, it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but this is the very thing I've been praying for the whole time, and they're going to step in. And, and then the lastly, I really believe we're going to see that produce like a multi-generational movement. 
And and I and I'm already starting to see that because Generation Z are very different than the generations before, and uh, they're very open. They want to learn the Word of God. They're very intellectual, but they're also very open to the things of the Spirit. And I'm seeing grand grandparents actually ministering alongside of their teenage grandchildren, mm-hmm. and so and then that's pulling the millennials in the middle. It's pulling them back to Christ. So I believe that word that the prophet Joel spoke is really going to come to pass, like a multi-generational movement, Mm. but it's going to happen in the midst of all this political turmoil. A lot of visions, a lot of dreams, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That That is something. I mean, this is as what the prophet Joel said. That's what Peter, he quoted that. In, in the book of Acts. And, you know, this is a, really a time uh, kind of in a similar way. You talk about upheaval. I mean, when Peter's out there preaching that Pentecostal message, the day of Pentecost, that, uh, you talk about upheaval. They had just crucified the Lord just days, uh, you know, 40 days, 50 days before, 50 days before. So this is uh, quite amazing to realize that uh, this is breaking out right now that people are doing things right now, having faith, coming back. I, I love the fact that you said the young kids, the teenagers are being more open to the things of God than what maybe some generations before. That's really encouraging. It really is. And and it's unique. Well, we live in a time of spiritual, but not religious. So you'll notice, and many of the listeners will notice when you go to the your local retail stores, you're seeing these these like tarot cards and these various different, you know, sage that people are burning to cleanse their environments. And the new age and and really like counterfeit demonic spirituality is becoming ubiquitous in the US. And at first I a lot of concerned parents would reach out to me and say, I'm so scared because my kid has gotten into the astrological or even um, there was a popular television show that came out on Netflix. And as a result, there was a resurgence in Ouija boards, and parents were like really, really concerned. And so as I began to pray about it, the Lord said, no, it's spiritual hunger. But in most churches, these young people can't find that hunger uh, met in the things of God. And so they're going to try to satisfy it in the wrong places. So for me, I, as a pastor, I started thinking, how do we open up avenues for people, you know, so prayer, intercession, evangelism in the streets and giving them a way to experience the power of God um, instead of having to go for a counterfeit. And then we tipped into revival. (laughs) That's so so awesome. Mike, we're out of time for this segment and I so appreciate it. I'd love to have you back on the program. uh, And maybe when we find out what's going to happen, the next step with Domino Revival, uh, we can have you back on and talk about it. Okay. Absolutely. I'd love to. Give us that website one more time real quick. Yes, it's MikeSignorelli.com. All right, Mike, thank you. I've so enjoyed having you on the show. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been honored to be able to share. Thank you so much and just love what you're doing. Well, thank you. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. 
On the line with me right now is Craig Russell. Craig is with Samaritan Ministries. We're going to be talking about that a, a bit here in a moment. But he's also the president and the founder of the SS American Memorial Park. And that's in Guadalupe River near Seguin, Texas. So that's not far from San Antonio, I'm told. And uh, I've only been to San Antonio sitting on an airplane in a connection. That's my only time there, but I love Texas. I spend most of my time up around Dallas, Fort Worth. It is so nice, Craig, to have you on the phone today. Thank you for having me, Mike. This is really exciting. Well, let's talk, first of all, you're here for two different purposes, two different chat points, if you will. Number one is the Samaritan Ministries. Now, this is the time of year when a lot of people are having to think about health care and renewing their current plans and kind of enrolling maybe in a different plan. What led you to go to Samaritan? Well, basically, I've been in the insurance industry in an earlier life for many years and uh, very versed in property casualty and health insurance. And I had written my own health insurance for all those years as a licensed agent. Um, when Obamacare came out, uh, it actually made it unaffordable even to, to write it for myself. And so I was uh, researching to see what else was out there. And actually, one of my veteran friends uh, referred me to the shared programs, not, uh, not, anyone, not anyone in particular, but he was familiar with them. And that's when I researched and found Samaritan Ministries. How ironic is it, a couple of things that you've just said. Number one, that you're an insurance man yourself and that you found that you had to go to one of these alternative plans. But number two, the fact that when Obamacare, or as it was officially called, the Affordable Care Act, which in my mind is anything but affordable, it certainly was not affordable for you. And you're a pro at this. You're in, in the business, and yet you had to go to alternative uh, sourcing for your health care. Yes, it was unaffordable. <laughs> no question about it. I either was able to get find something uh, that was uh, in the same neighborhood as far as monthly payments, as far as budgeting, or I wasn't going to be able to get it. Yeah. Simply did not have the money. Well, you know, I, a lot of people are in that boat, and uh, I know that when we found out that uh, when my wife was going to be the only one on the Affordable Care Act, uh, our her just one person's premium back in 2018, it is, when uh, this happened, and we went to Samaritan back then, uh, in 2018, her Obamacare um, premium was going to be $1,800 a month just for the premium, and the insurance policy that that premium paid was a terrible policy. It had high, high, high deductibles. It it was just not affordable at all for us. $1,800 a month just for premiums. Can you imagine? That was the same experience with me, yes, when you factored in the increased premium, monthly premium, and the deductibles. You know, the deductibles were extremely high. So by the time you got your annual premium and you're out of pocket, um, <laughs> you're almost best uh, self-insuring. <laughs> well, now that's kind of uh, the way that you have to go with Samaritan. It's not technically insurance. 
It is a sharing kind of ministry platform, and they're becoming much more known. You're right, Samaritan's not the only one. There are a couple of other ones out there, and they're well-known as well. But Samaritan uh, is the one that we used. It's the one that Dan Celia used, and the one that is talked about still to this day on Financial Issues Live. Dan Celia uh, was um, a, a very popular radio host of a financial program, and he passed away during COVID uh, times. So uh, it was a sad thing, but he had Samaritan, talked about it every day. So this this idea of shared expenses, you found it to be a workable solution, right? Yes. You know, and literally my research at the time, there was only about three, maybe four of those shared plans out there. Uh, what drove me to Samaritan was, again, they were, I think, I think the first in the industry. This memory serves me right. Um, and then from the faith-based standpoint, some of those plans, other plans had, uh, even though they were kind of faith-based, they had started encompassing uh, some things outside of the faith that I didn't believe in at all. Okay. The Samaritan was the, uh, literally the, I guess, core, uh, Christian program that, uh, that, and the history behind it that I, uh, agreed with in all capacity. You know, we found that to be so encouraging to have members of Samaritan who are actually the ones that pay, if you will, the claims that you put in, are they come from the members, not from the Samaritan organization itself, and they would often include notes of prayers uh, as the as they write the check. They're praying for my family. That's amazing. It was, you know, that was one of the unique aspects of it in um, the newsletter and everything. How they they incorporated all this is uh, the prayer, asking yeah. everyone to actually say a prayer. And another side is they went uh, take a step further at least on their uh, electronic uh, information gathering, is they, you know, they want to see who did pray and did not pray. Uh, again, a person of faith, deep faith, and a person of deep prayer, um, I know that works. We yeah. know that works within yeah. our church. We know prayer is essential. And uh, so I just found that uh, unique to the organization, and um, and they've continued to expand that in their newsletter on different areas of help that I just found uh, uh, this whole experience with Samaritan Ministries and how they've grown with the times, if you want to call it, in their education, uh, just an outstanding job. Well, if uh, our listeners are interested in finding out more, maybe you're needing a decision, maybe even today about health care, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org and find out all you need to do. You can quickly get signed up. It's amazingly easy and uh, fast. And again, that is SamaritanMinistries.org. Now, my guest today, Craig Russell, is also the president, as I said, and founder of the SS American Memorial Park. And uh, I know that you are a vet. You served in the United States Navy. Tell us about your experience in military and what drove you to want to get this this uh, thing called the Memorial Park, the American Memorial Park, in place. What happened there? Well, it was totally an unplanned event, at least by me. Uh, at this point in my uh, time in life of this uh, program, uh, there's no question God put it in place. I, I was a young man that grew up around a table with a father and a mother uh, every morning eating breakfast, reading from the Bible. Uh, at that young of age, I 
don't even know if I really paid attention, but us obviously something stuck. Um, and as I matured and I went into the service, uh, the service was uh, a real eye opener um, in a sense that uh, I realized what life was all about. You know, it's a, I was on a submarine. So again, it, uh, wow. it uh, compresses your uh, outward look on life. <laughs> in a real <laughs> literal way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the reality. Uh, all that is there's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, atheists and foxholes. Well, there's very few uh, atheists on a submarine. In fact, I didn't know any. Wow. Um, but again, that experience there led me uh, out of the service. Uh, my faith continued to uh, be expanded just in the sense of uh, uh, how God had entered my life. As far as the location, uh, again, I did not plan it. I just literally went down to the uh, area base during the war. Uh, back in 2010, uh, Bamsey Brooks Army Medical Center is where they brought the majority of all the amputees from the war. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we're just 30 minutes down. I knew they needed a place of respite to bring these soldiers and get them out in open air. My family just offered it. We live on the ranch. There was nothing special other than it being right close to water and having a beautiful lawn. Um, they um, took hold of it. Uh, it's a chaplaincy that runs anything off base. They were called... And, and still are called spiritual fitness days by the Department of Defense with the chaplaincy. So interesting enough, the chaplaincy showed up. Uh, we've formed a, a, a tremendous working relationship bringing these soldiers out. It expanded across the base. Fort Sam Houston is a large base, uh, Army base, where uh, Brooks Army Medical is located. And uh, they have about 70-plus chaplains. So it expanded through the base uh, just by word of mouth through other chaplains of other divisions and, and uh, battalions. And they latched on it and started, started utilizing the place. And uh, each year something would happen to expand it and inspire it. Uh, 2000, like I said, that started in 2010. And 2012, there was an inspirational day on the 4th of July with all the wounded. And um, that inspired the building of the memorial on premises. Uh, it is now only the only private living war memorial in the United States. It was built specifically for the wounded uh, as a, another place of solace where they could get uh, be alone, if you want to call it. Uh, I did not uh, solicit anybody. The friends and families and the military community heard that we were building this memorial, and they literally started sending uh, unsolicited funds. I, I was not a nonprofit. I was just a – our family is just a family that's been here – six generations, and uh, they started sending us money to build this uh, building, and then it turned into a memorial, and uh, today that memorial has hosted over 17,000 active duty inside of it for a one-hour presentation on God, family, and country. And uh, through that experience, it uh, I realized it was my ministry. Wow. And, and uh, wholeheartedly. Today we have, uh, oh, we've a little over 38,000 people have been through our gates at our family's location over the last 22 years, uh, free of charge. Uh, during the war effort, uh, a little over 24,000 came through the gates for what we call spiritual fitness days. Again, I attended all of them. Uh, I met all of them. And after the memorial was built in 2014, I made it mandatory with the chaplains that the soldiers had to come through for the hour presentation on God, family, and country. Yeah, if they're going to be there, they need to hear that, right? Yes, you know, interesting about that time and the time of the day is the culture 
continued decline. I knew this. I saw this and realized it. That's why uh, literally got it into my heart, gave me clarity on that without question many years ago. And uh, so I had a vision and that uh, I knew people needed to get outside and they needed to be around each other in the old school camaraderie uh, without the cell phones and things like that. And yeah. so that was part of my program here. You know, when you see families in restaurants and even when they're on vacations, they are so often isolated from each other because of the screens that are in the hands of phones or tablets. And, and to realize that you're doing something for these vets that are wounded and these that are coming in and you've got these beautiful walking trails, I understand there. And this property has been in your wife's family for generations, right? That is correct. Yes, it's a it's a hundred acre piece of property, hundred one to be exact. Um, the area that they were using on the river is about twenty acres that they've used over the uh, over the years. Uh, we saw, or I saw, uh, again visiting with the chaplains. We weren't just there watching people. We were there truly as a team, uh, ministering, trying to get results and see what the results of the healing aspect of them being on the property, the healing aspect of them coming through this extremely visual memorial on sacrifice. Um, and basically what they did is they met with me in 2015, one of the chaplains that had uh, literally brought four, over 4,000 soldiers through there. And um, he visited with me, and, and that, that was a turning point in my life of uh, kind of what was going on and clarity, if you say. And he basically said that... Uh, he wanted to share with me that he noticed the chapel on base starting to fill up over time. Mm -hmm. And as he questioned soldiers when they were leaving in the, on the Sunday mornings, they pointed out that uh, the reason they were in chapel is because they came out to the location and had visited the memorial. And then uh, a little time later, uh, basically the same chaplain came out, and he wanted to let me know that the uh, base chapel was full and that he was doing three to four baptisms a month, and he owed it all to the day of coming and bringing those soldiers to the outdoors and again, uh, making them go through the memorial to see that sacrifice. And you have to understand that chaplains then and today were, are being tamped down. They are, uh, in fact, at one point I was at a meeting uh, a number of years ago and the outgoing uh, colonel of the chaplaincy uh, with all the chaplains, over 70 of them, and myself there, he told him, he said, uh, I do not know if the chaplaincy is going to be around any longer. Wow. You have to put yeah. that into perspective yeah. historically. Um, the chaplaincy corps is the oldest corps in the U.S. military. It was George Washington's first corps. Wow. And you we know, are in today of jeopardizing. Yeah, talking about ending it, yeah. Wow. You know, that in God we trust phrase is on our dollar bills, but sadly it's not in the hearts and minds of so many people in Washington and they're trying to make those things. But I'm grateful for what you're doing. Is there a website that people can go to to find out more about? Yes. Uh, okay. What is that? Yes. It's basically www.ssamemorial.org. S-S-A memorial.org. There it is. That would be SS. A lot of people want to know what the SS stands for. SS is the acronym for ship submersible. It is the destination 
for all submariners in the U.S. Navy. I did not know that, but I'm grateful that I do. Craig Russell, thank you. We're out of time. Appreciate your being with me today here, and God bless you and all you're doing there. God bless you, and have a very, very special Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays upcoming. All right, God bless you. Friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. (laughs) 